and welcome to a new podcast venture. I am Chris Zellner, and this is the new wrestling podcast, Cover to Cover, a love story about wrestling magazines. And if you know me, and you follow my Twitter feed, at Chris Zellner on Twitter, for the past couple years, you know I love wrestling magazines. I've bought many wrestling magazines in my lifetime, especially the last year or so off of eBay. And there's somebody else who shares a special passion for wrestling magazines like myself. And he is a dear friend of mine. He's like family to me. He's the only person that I've ever communicated with on the internet to actually walk into my house numerous times. And uh, it's always great to talk to him. He is a birthday brother of mine as well, born the same day, although he's a year older than me. But I am joined by my friend and yours, the one, the only, Rob Naylor. Rob, let's do this, brother. (laughs) That was, I got to live up to that. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. Guys, we're going to talk about wrestling magazines, and uh, it is a... uh, is a topic and a subject uh, near and dear to my heart. Uh, I don't do many podcasts. Uh, when this was pitched to me, I was so excited to say yes because I know that I can talk about wrestling podcasts and probably not get in trouble for having an opinion, which is a nice <laughs> thing. So uh, hopefully it'll be all rainbows and puppies and uh, we're all going to be happy and enjoy wrestling magazines and talk about all the fun stuff. So I am all about this. Well, we're, we're focusing on, you know, mainly the 80s, early 90s. I may dip into the 70s myself with my 70s magazine. And maybe, hell, we may even go to the fucking 60s <laughs> and the 50s because I have the magazines from those eras too. But uh, I understand, though, there was that one magazine that was like an after mag that was like a retro magazine. I forget what they call it. Classics. Oh, yes. there it is. Wrestling Classics. There you go. There's one memory coming back to me. But yeah, I bought that religiously. Uh, Ban the pile driver from Gene Kaniski and uh, <laughs> reading about, you know, Man Mountain Mike and the whole gang. You know, that was always like a really fun learning thing with uh, the wrestling on the newsstand. So wrestling classics. Yeah, we'd been to that, too. Yeah. Another thing, too, is, you know, there also was the annuals. You know, they had the wrestler annual, PWI annual, which you would go and you have articles from the past in those as well. Yeah. Yeah, they have those, and then obviously uh, the big uh, – I think the only magazine that really – I guess the only magazines that really had the year-end awards, I would say PWI kind of had a staple on that. But then I think Wrestling's Main Event had it too. Uh, I don't know. There, there might have been a couple other ones, but I always like the year-end awards too. Well, they're always the bigger magazines. You know, they, they, they had more stuff, especially later on, of course – you know, once the 500 started up in 91, then yeah, I mean, that's totally a different thing too. But before we get into all that, all right. Um, like I said, you're a year older than me. Um, when was the first time that you actually b- bought a wrestle magazine that you remember? Okay. I remember this all very, very vividly. Uh, it was 1985 and I just start watching wrestling. I remember the first wrestling I saw was like a Buddy Orlando Pez Watley match from Mid Atlantic, but then out of nowhere, uh, I didn't really register that match. It was I wasn't a fan yet. Then I went to school. And then a friend of mine, Michael Burcheski, had a program of the WrestleMania one that had uh, Hogan, Orndorff, Piper, 
uh, Mr. T. And obviously, the, the thing in the magazine I remember the most was popping for like Mr. T and, and Cindy Lauper. So I didn't like wrestling once I saw the magazine. I liked Cindy Lauper and Mr. T, which is the proof that celebrities do work because look how obsessed I became. Uh, so it's like, okay, yeah, here's it. What is this? You know, and then uh, ultimately, I start watching AWA at eight o'clock on ESPN. Uh, NWA at two o'clock on WPHL 17 Philadelphia with Dusty. And that became like the show I was obsessed with. Like I loved all wrestling, but I was obsessed at two o'clock in the afternoon, every Saturday turning into channel 17 Philadelphia and just watching, you know, Dusty, the boogeyman flair, Tully Arn, midnight rock and roll road war, the whole thing, the Russians. So like Magnum, I was obsessed. So after I got obsessed with wrestling, my dad bought me a wrestling magazine that I didn't really understand existed on newsstands or anything. And the magazine was a WWF magazine and it had, uh, Cindy Lauper, Nikolai Volkoff, Freddie Blassie, uh, I think Piper, they were all on a music video for Goonies. So it was the Goonies photo shoot, but on the cover of the magazine. And I went, freaking ballistic like bulldogs pictures of uh, bundy against andre which as a kid you're like oh my gosh king kong bundy's gonna wrestle andre oh how can i see that you know because you didn't see that on tv so uh that was huge well then my father worked in a place called milton pennsylvania and on the way home he picked up another wrestling magazine like a month later for me and it was wrestling superstars magazine and he brought it home, and like a little bitch, I cried and complained and moaned and was like, this isn't like the other magazine because it wasn't in color, Chris. It was in black and white and only had one color photo in the middle. And I didn't understand any of this. I just was like, why is this shit not cool like the other one? Why is it not in color? You know, and I, I, I was like a, I was like initially like a snob where I'm like, this isn't a nice magazine like the other magazine. And, you know, within like the next month, I was just obsessed with it. You could have had like, you could be writing crayon. I would have lost my mind. For, the rest of the but for that reason, the funny joke around my family would always be, yeah, I remember when your dad bought you that one magazine. It was in black and white pitched a bitch so i'm like yeah i kind of recall this but uh so i will admit to that but it was the cool one it was wrestling superstars it was the one where the stars of today pick the stars of tomorrow which is always a cool concept and i remember like uh butch reed picked north the barbarian and i remember butch uh north the barbarian had a t-shirt on that said it's a good day to die like i haven't seen this magazine in 30 years but i remember <laughs> this you know uh i remember there was i think the the color pinup may or may not have been uh Nikita Koloff and like they'd ask him like what his favorite food was <laughs> you know and uh, most embarrassing moment and he'd be like Jadoita that time I gave the Russian circle to David Crockett was my greatest moment of my life Jadoita and I was like oh this is cool <laughs> I really liked it and uh it was just insane from there from there I think my I dude how weird is that I think I can remember my third magazine too my third magazine I believe was I guess it was an inside wrestling and it was the one that had, and you'll remember this one, Chris, it was like, we have to stop the red menace. Cause you know, it was 85. So it's like, Oh Bruce yeah. Springsteen rushes the devil. So it was like, it was like Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo, probably Hulk Hogan or dusty 
And then it was like the Road Warriors with like red, white, and blue face paint, which was like the coolest thing ever. And probably the only time <laughs> they ever did that. So I was just like, oh, man, they're, the Road Warriors are totally going to stop the Red Menace. And like there was an article on Sheik and Volkov in it and the Russians. And it was just like a neat ma- – obviously I remember it this vividly. Like it was a pretty neat magazine and a good concept for it. But yeah, that's kind of the short version of it. But I, I literally remember like the first three magazines I ever got. And brother, after that, there have been – literally thousands you know it's it's insane how many magazines i got sent yeah my story is family related as well but different um my brother my brothers and my uh the middle brother i'm the youngest he's 10 years older than me so in 1983 84 early 84 he bought his first wrestling magazine and so he would have been uh, 15. He was 15. And I was five. Mm-hmm. So I would read his magazines and I was obsessed. And it was a year later when I got my first magazine on my own. And it was the May 85 cover date, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, with the fabulous ones in the Rock and Roll Express standing side by side. <sighs> Double Dynamite, Tag Team Wrestling Explodes. Wow, that's a great one. I remember that one. I yeah. never had it. And then the Road Warriors was the the, the pinup. In the, in the, in the, in, yeah, it was like uh, the giant full-color pinup of the Road Warriors. And you had Barry Windham and Mike Rotundo. Too good for the WWF. <laughs> then you got double uh, Deal of the Century where the Rock and Roll Express and Fabulous ones swap partners. And up under that, the headline, Carrie Von Erich and Billy Jack, the dream team for wrestling may be a nightmare for the Von Erich. Oh, my God. I could see them clacked up posing together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, cl- it's a classic cover. And after that, I was still buying them. But he kind of, you know, once he got to be 16 and shit and doing his own thing, he, you know, he didn't buy them as much anymore. And he was doing other things. So I started picking up the slack. But see, my deal was, is that, you know, I got money from my parents. I got an allowance. And I was trying to share the wealth. <laughs> the little bit of money I got, because I was in all kinds of things. Yeah. So I'm trying to, you know, I, I, I would get wrestling magazines. I would get baseball, football, basketball cards. I would get t- action figures. So... I'm trying to figure out a way to mix it all up. So I didn't get a a lot of everything. So there's like, there was like gaps in my magazines and I was buying different ones. So yeah, it, 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 looking back on it, you know, I I wouldn't have changed anything because I, I got to enjoy all kinds of different things, but that was, yeah, that was my main thing is, was, was doing that. And of course, you know, I, my first memory of wrestling is in 84. Um, the first thing I remember seeing was being at my uh, great aunt's house. She lived in um, right outside of Atlanta. And we went up there one Saturday and they religiously watch wrestling. I mean, religiously. My, my um, grandmother's side of the family, uh, all, all the women were notorious wrestling fans. My great grandmother and my great aunt would go to the wrestling matches in the area and throw ice at the heels. Wow. 
they would they would heckle the heels like Freddie Blassie. Oh God, they they would give him so much shit, you know. And guys like that, they hated him. They loved the baby faces, hated the heels, and they would get almost kicked out of the building. You know, they were so rowdy. And uh, so wrestling's in the blood. You know, my dad watched it. You know, my brothers were into it. So that's you know that's why I became such a wrestling fan because that was part of the family. That's what we did. So the first member I remember was watching uh, World Championship Wrestling, and Buzz Sawyer was with Gordon, and he got he got so enraged in a promo that he he was up into the t like he got up in the screen on the camera like he was about to come through the television, and I remember being scared to death <laughs> as a kid thinking this guy's about to come through the TV set and get, come after me because I was like five four That's or five great. years old. And, uh, but it hooked me. I was hooked, hooked after that. And I've been a wrestling fan ever since wow. 35 now, years. Do you still have the first issue with the double dynamite on it? Absolutely. What? I got all my wrestling magazines. I got all my brother's magazines that he had and I got all my, cause I, I still have the first WWF magazine. Now the covers are all fucked. Like I remember like seeing a lot of the stuff you have, even like, I know you get magazines more yeah. recently, but you also just are an overall neater person than I am. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not, I'm not by any means, but like a lot of my shit just got ripped, torn. I, I had that stupid phase where I would cut out championship belts. Oh, I did all that yeah, shit so, too, brother. I did all that shit. So too. there's all these pictures of Barry Windham without a waist because the Western Heritage title was just too cool <laughs> for schools. And- well, I didn't do I didn't do that. What I did was, and I, I don't think I've ever showed I didn't think I ever showed you this was when I was a kid. Any any like the color pictures, I ripped them out, ripped them out in the magazine, and I would p- p- tack them on my wall. So my bedroom was covered with wrestlers, you know. And and when you get the magazines, especially like. Um, championship wrestling and wrestling all-stars which we'll talk more about the different magazines which had the, all the different color photos in there i tear them bitches out and say and they were double-sided so well, one side you got kevin sullivan you know with his snakes and nancy you know full-on 80s hot and all that shit going on and then the other side may have like uh jose luis rivera on it of course i'm putting kevin sullivan's side on the fucking wall <laughs> <laughs> definitely put up the road warriors and not that double pinup of you know uh mr electricity steve regal you know <laughs> hammer locking buck zoom off you know so we're not, we're not gonna have that tagged yeah. up on the wall so uh or like rip rogers and bugs mcgraw on a chin lock or something you know we're not gonna have that up but uh yeah the, mo- the most the most uh holes in any of those pictures i got is the pwi pinup of axel butchery there you go it's funny you mentioned that too because even <laughs> Our uh, respective, uh, uh, like, cleanliness or just how we do things, uh, you're very regimented. All of my posters that I also had, every fiber of my wall as a child covered with wrestling posters. But you said pin them up. I'm like, pin put Absolutely not. I tape it all. And so I would just rip everything <laughs> to sh- fucking shreds and, like, everything would be taped together. And I would not really be too discerning when I would pull the things down. And they'd rip. So, like... I I don't know if I've ever told this story on any kind of public forum, but fuck it, I'm going for it. So, uh, when I, so when I was a kid, obviously I was obsessed with uh, wrestling, and I'm 92, 93. 
I was still obsessed with wrestling. Obviously, it was the least cool thing ever to be a wrestling fan around 1992 and 93 in like high school. So I kind of kayfabe that I was a wrestling fan. It was just my little thing that I, I watched and I had because you, you, it's like complete social suicide if you like openly admitted to be a fan. And I just didn't want to get any kind of scraps over wrestling. So I had my friends that watched it too, but we were like few and far between. So uh, <laughs> I had like <laughs> – like Sting and Luger and and the Road Warriors and Sid and like <laughs> in hindsight all these big beefy, beefy muscled sub oiled up guys all over the wall <laughs> and uh, I got a car wreck in '93 and like almost died the whole thing right so like I convalesced in the hospital like regaining my faculties in ICU for like a month but then I got sent home obviously well then I get sent home and remember I cannot walk I'm confined to my bed. But, like, these girls that I thought were hot were going to come visit from my high school because, my God, oh, Bobby's no. dead, right? We've got to go see him. Yeah. So, like, there I am sitting in my room, unable to move, <laughs> unable to take down any of this shit because I'm, like, it's so, it's so stupid now. Like, who cares? But, like, at the time, <laughs> I'm, like, oh, my God, these girls are going to come in. They're going to see I like wrestling and just have all these big dudes all over the wall. <laughs> it's almost like almost like a scene from a movie where like and then of course i'm i can't walk so like i'm unable to do anything about my current precarious position so like i just remember being like oh no i want to rip all them down but god dang it i didn't and i'm proud of them and now i i I want to put them all back up but uh it's like a whole thing (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's funny because like uh luger was all like i loved luger you know a lot of us around that time we all love luger Especially like WCW and NWA Luger, obviously. But uh, oh yeah, there was an interview done just today or put up on YouTube of Luger talking about the Brody incident, and I just love Lex, and I know that Lex has a ton of heat and from back in the day and all these horror stories about how he treated people and how he was. But God, don't you love to see a turnaround, you know? And he was just so humble. He admitted that he was afraid of Brody, and he didn't know why Brody was really attacking him, really. And, you know, it was just a really good interview that Lex, of course, comes across as such a good guy, you know? So it's, uh, you know, I love Lex. So, and then this ties in with the magazine. Lex Luger was on. Oh, God. Oh, he was a god in the aftermath. Like late 80s, early 90s, Lex Luger was on. Every, like, okay. Here we go. We're going to we're going to get into this right now even before we All right. If you had to pick 5 people. And this doesn't have to be a very informed answer just off the top because we we talked about mm-hmm. this. 5 people who, who you associate with wrestling magazine covers. And I'm not to, it doesn't have to be like oh well no mascaras and dusty right. It could be in your magazine purchasing and buying history. And even it doesn't even have to like even back then it doesn't even have to be now with retro mags and all that. But like when I think wrestling magazines and PWI, I think Hulk Hogan, I think Macho Man, I think the Road Warriors, and then I'd go with Sting and Luger. Now I know there's Mill, there's Snuka, there's Superstar, there's Dusty, there's Bruno, there's so many other ones, right? But to me, when I was growing up with the magazines, those were the guys. Now, WWE magazine – oh, why did I say that? WWF magazine in the 80s <laughs> had everybody on it. You know, you could be honky-tonk man and get on there because it seemed like they weren't as the, – the magazine was going to sell based on it being WWF magazine. It wasn't like the yeah. person exactly on the magazine. 
So who who would your five be if you think about and Billy Jack the Von Eric? Like, there's a bunch of them, but who would you say were like the top five guys that you just associate with being on the cover of the magazines that you bought? Okay, yeah, that I bought in real time, definitely. Uh, Carrie Von Eric, Billy Jack, um, Hogan, uh, Dusty, and uh, Flair. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, in, in that era, and then of course, see that—that's the thing that. Okay, there was a period where I quit buying. I quit buying wrestling magazines. Um, in nineteen eighty, nineteen eighty nine. Oh wow! I didn't buy any wrestling magazines, and I, I didn't purchase any wrestling magazines for six years. Wow! Yeah. So here's what happened. Well, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, oh, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. I did start. I did buy rest of magazines in early '92. Okay. I bought some PWIs, but I bought like three or four, and I quit. And I didn't buy any again until 1995. And then what I did was, was I started going through the, you know how you know they had the back issues, for sale. So I was going through it and I'm starting reading this, you know, seeing what the back issues were. I was like, huh, this sounds interesting. So I started buying some back issues. Wow. And I picked up some stuff from, you know, 91, 92, 93. But then I, I bought WrestleMania from 95, 96, and then pretty much quit again, 96. But yeah, I mean, the deal was, here's, here's, here's what changed everything for me. In 89 is when I got my first VCR. Okay. So that money that was going to wrestling magazines now is going to buying blank VHS cassettes. Wow, there you go. So there wasn't – So like, now I'm recording there shit. There wasn't a split with you having a disinterest in wrestling. It was simply, hey, I've got to funnel these things in different places. Okay, I get it. And then, and then, you know, and then in 89 also, I'm, I'm 10 years old. So I'm out of the action figures thing. So now I'm putting more money into baseball, football, and basketball cards as well. Yeah. So it's basically becoming baseball, football, basketball cards, VHS tapes, and and I can't forget, I can't you know forget this, renting video games. Yeah, dude, me too. Like Genesis and Super Nintendo. <laughs> yeah. Regular, regular Nintendo started everything. So the the money shifted in different directions you, that you, I was getting from my. Parents. You couldn't buy the wrestler in Inside Wrestling and rent the game Renegade at all at the same time. <laughs> you had to, <laughs> yeah, kind of channel those resources. Yeah, also have to rent the Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. Uh, so here's the thing, uh, I find that interesting because I bought magazines religiously probably 1986 until 1993. And I, by I mean I bought magazines. My wonderful father bought probably so many magazines before school for me, and I'm talking like <laughs> not every week but pretty much every other week. Like I'd get the magazines, and usually always Inside Wrestling, The Wrestler, PWI. Uh, Wrestling's Made Event, in hindsight, is my favorite even though I don't think I realized it was my favorite at the time, but it was definitely my favorite, my favorite to look back on too. But I would get those pretty religiously, and uh, – God, I, I've only ever purchased two back issues ever from that little back issue section. I remember I got one with yeah. Dynamite Kid having someone like a Boston Crab or something on it and uh, another <laughs> one with like some Mid-South footage in it from like 85 I think. But 
here's a weird one, and only us super nerdy people will get this, but I'm sharing. Uh, when I was a kid, I just all I wanted to do was like grow up and work for a wrestling magazine. Like that was all I wanted to do. That was like, oh my god, it's the dream. That's I'm gonna be a journalist, like you know Eddie Eleanor and Bill After. So uh, that literally had an like even though I was done with the magazines by like '93, I still had that. Oh, I'm gonna be a journalist in my head, which was sculpted by wrestling. So uh, I was just really into it, but. Obviously, when you got your back issues, you remember where you sent the money order to, and it was mm-hmm. – I'd say – what was it? Four – no, five years ago, I'm hanging out with my good friend Solo Darling in New York, and we stopped by this uh, – stopped by to see her grandmother or grandfather actually, and she goes, yeah, we're going to Rockville Center, <laughs> and I'm just I, – I just immediately <laughs> popped so much, and she didn't understand – like. I was like, oh my god, Rockville, like, oh, that's the dream, right? Rockville Center is where, <laughs> you know, you as a kid you read about, that's the home of PWI, right? That's where all the London publishing... TV Sports, Box 48, yeah, Rockville Center. That's where everything comes from, right? So it's this mythical place in your head that, you know, you. it's so far removed from that time for me because it, it would have been like 2000, you know, 14 when this happened and I stopped buying magazines in 93, but still it's just such a crazy mindfuck where you're like, Oh my God, Rockville center. Right. And obviously the magazine's long gone from there, but like, I, it was just funny that out of all the places like Rockville, like, and even when I'm in the Philly suburbs, like I'll drive by Ambler, Pennsylvania. And that's like the new home I think of, of PWI. So yeah, you always just remember this kind of stuff. So it's, uh, it's very interesting to me, but yeah, I I never had a lull in the magazines. I I bought the magazines from '86 to '93. A couple other magazines I'd buy like Game Pro or Electronic Gaming Monthly, and uh, there was some football ones every now and then. I wasn't as into the football mags. I'd there'd be like a really good slick paper one every year that would come out that I bought all the time. Uh, but yeah, I always want and, and unfortunately, and I say unfortunately, but it was time. Uh, as soon as I found the Observer in fall '93, like it, it just made all the magazines obsolete, and I just became obsessed with the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Like obsessed with it. Like, oh my god, I can't believe this exists. This is ridiculous. I'm finding about Sabu wrestling last week in Philadelphia and throwing chairs at kids. This is crazy. I need to. <laughs> what is this? And like. Oh my god, it was just like this moment. It's like Nirvana killing Glamrock. It's just like this moment <laughs> where it's like there's a line in the sand and the PWI just didn't it didn't mean what it did prior to hearing, you know, Dave's newsletter, reading Dave's newsletter, which is always why I wanted to get Dave and After in a room together because I find them both as highly pivotal people in my wrestling fandom for better or worse, you know. So it's just like they they help they help enhance what i was watching anyway is the way i'll say it so it's it's kind of cool but yeah i stopped i i'd have a magazine every now and then like 94 95 96 97 ish and the 500s i would try to get every year until like 2000 something but kind of shied away from the mags but uh still have all of them somewhere stashed away and that's the thing i <laughs> i have them all in just horrific order horrible piles all over the place and not even around like it's just a mess, but uh, yeah, man. Yeah, that that could that 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 couldn't be me. You know, you you've seen what how I've got everything yeah, set up. That just could I couldn't be me. Like I could right now <laughs> take a photo of like a million DVDs out of cases, <laughs> all sprawled out <laughs> next to the television in front of me, and you would like you'd be like, 
oh my god, it would give you like palpitations. You'd be like, oh my god, what are you doing? Wrong? <laughs> just, like, just disarray. Whereas like, I wish I was more organized. Trust me, but it, it drives me nuts because I'm always, I'm constantly looking for things. Whereas I'm sure you pretty much have a pretty good idea of where everything is in your life. So I'm just like, yeah, I just gotta dig it out. Yeah, that's the thing. Just digging, digging this shit out and. You know, and that's the thing. You know, I had a very healthy magazine collection from my, you know, youth and buying all that stuff and getting my brother's magazines. But then all of a sudden, you know, a, a, a couple of years ago, you know, I started thinking, I, I see these rest of magazines available on eBay. I'm going to try and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy some, see how it goes, you know. So. I remember buying some, and I wasn't gonna buy the singles because they charge you know, they charge too yeah. much for single magazine. So I'm looking for bundle, for bundle deals of stuff I didn't have. So I start seeing these little bundle deals, and I start getting them, and then it's like a fucking drug. Then I mean, I'm I, I'm hooked. I'm checking eBay multiple times a day to see what's the newest bundle that's that's hit the thing, and you know, is it what when's it gonna go on auction? Is it buy it now? You know, how am I gonna get a hold of this bundle? And I shit, I know I've spent it oh God. <laughs> In the last couple of years, I'm sure I I probably spent over a thousand bucks <laughs> on wrestling magazines. Oh, I love it. And it's fucking insane. And see my and, and my deal was I started with eighties and nineties. And uh, there was the occasional 70s magazine that's part of it. And that's an, another thing I'll mention, too, is I was blessed that I, when I had my public access television show about you know wrestling in 97, 98 in my town, a buddy of mine uh, that was on the sports show on, on, the, cha on the channel uh, told me, he says, uh, you know, I got a bunch of old wrestling magazines from the 70s. I'm not doing nothing with him. You want them? I was like, are you kidding me right now? I said, hell yeah, I want them. So he comes to the TV station with like three paper sacks, big paper sacks full of wrestling magazines from 1976 to 1978. Ugh. And I was like, oh. you know? <laughs> it was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So I had all these magazines for the 70s. So... I'm looking at eBay and I start seeing these magazines from the 70s. I'm like, I'm going to buy some of them this time. I'm going to go outside my comfort zone. I'm going to go early 70s. And so I started buying these early 70s magazines. And it's like, holy shit. This shit's fucking awesome as hell. Yeah. And then they started delving into 60s. And then I got stuff from the 50s. And these magazines are insane. The, the stuff in there is just amazing because yeah. the wrestling magazines, there's, they would be split. There was a uh, boxing and wrestling in the magazine. So half of it's boxing, which I love boxing too. Mm -hmm. And half of it's wrestling. And it's like, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God, Oh my God. And people have seen my Twitter. They've seen some of the stuff I put up there. Yeah. And these wrestling magazines are just an amazing. They're in tremendous shape to be that old. And they've been preserved and kept and, it's the content is just amazing because you're seeing the people that you really only read about in like these, I mean, magazines, but you see them in a different light. You actually see them in action and stuff like that. And 
it, it, it reinvigorated my love for magazines. I just, I, I've kind of waned off of it recently because I've had to. I was like, listen, I, can, I cannot keep spending all this money on wrestling <laughs> magazines right now. So I need to just take a break. Yeah. Because I was, I was looking at spending way above my comfort zone on stuff yeah. because eBay, can, it can do that. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to stop, stop right now, you know, focus on some other things. But, and, and you've seen them. You come over to the house and I'm like, here's my newest. It's like Christmas. It's like, it's like, <laughs> and what's crazy is also here I'm back at Shimogan for a while and uh, enjoying my time to a degree, but it's not as fast paced as where I've been more recently. But uh, it's like I have a friend from Shimogan and he's like 20 years older than me and he's actually the guy that got me into the Wrestling Observer for the first time in 93. But He's a long to fan of the Hamburg and Allentown TV tapings and just a lifelong fan. Oh, yeah. And he has a whole room dedicated to like 70s wrestling posters that you tack up on the poles. And uh, he has an entire case of like pristine quality, 1970, like 19, you know, 85 wrestling magazines. And I went over to his house, and I just started taking pictures of the covers alone. I didn't even go through the magazines themselves yet. But, like, just maybe I'd say eight months ago, I just took all those pictures of the the front covers of them. And it's just – A, I'm just amazed that he's a guy like you that has everything in really good condition, which just blows my mind because it's even, like, ten years earlier than any magazine I ever had. But it's just – it's like Bruno and Pedro at Shea Stadium and – there's just so much fucking juice on all the covers. Like it's just <laughs> so blood filled. And like, it's so funny because he's one of the most adjusted, normal, nice, happy go, almost like if Smithers was a real person, like the nicest guy <laughs> on earth, like such a kind person. But like, if you look at his childhood, it was just loaded with violent, bloody wrestling images. So it just goes to show you that a lot of that stuff is not very influential either, but uh, it's, Depending on the person, I suppose, but uh, it was interesting to me, uh, just the dichotomy of what a good dude he is, and then like these bloody magazines with like, half naked ladies from the uh, the oh the Mormon yeah. wrestling stuff. Oh yeah. yeah, dude, that went into '83. That's another thing. When I started buying early '80s magazines, I thought that shit in the '70s. Oh no, that shit went into '83 with the apartment wrestling. And I, if I'm not mistaken, is that not a Stanley Weston? decree that that'd be in the magazines and not uh yeah because i uh the thing is something that makes me mad chris and we'll get into this topic again and it's not mad it's more like upset is when i was around dusty at that close proximity for two years and like seeing him every day i wish i would have discussed more like how much did he talk to Bill after? What was his relationship with the magazines? Every because even if he wouldn't publicly say a lot of stuff, he would tell me so much private stuff that I value so much. But like stuff like that, I'm really interested in. And I'm probably next time I see Bill, instead of the, our usual tongue in cheek, haha, what's up, goofing around conversation, I'm just gonna ask Bill, you know, you know, in a more serious manner, like talk to me about your relationship with Dusty, like. How were were you the point person for all the NWA news that would get out? You know what I mean? Like, because the idea of who was told what and when and how long prior, given how long it took magazines to come out, it was just so interesting to me in hindsight. Like, how much of a lead did PWI have on these things? 
And, you know, it's it just it's fascinating to me because all the stories were usually bullshit. So it's like there we were having like this life watching the regular wrestling on TV. But then we'd be reading about the wrestling in these articles that weren't even going by the code of the TV show. So it, it's funny how we never even thought about it. It didn't bother us when we're reading the mag. I know it didn't bother me. I'm pretty sure it bothered nobody that got the magazines. But they'd have all these articles that maybe didn't always tie directly into what was happening that week on TV. Because obviously, like I said, the, the magazine might say April 1991, but it was all stuff from like December 1990. So Yeah, because the, the, yeah, the, the cover date is way ahead of the actual – Plan. Yeah, because that's the way it, it just is. took time to publish, but uh, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember the exact time frame, but I'm, I'm you're, it's about three or four months, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was a lot, so it's like you know, I didn't find out Brody died until like three months afterwards, you know, like July it happened in '88, but you know, the magazines didn't come out, and I'm not down there in Georgia where you would have seen you know, Pedicino do the show in '88, uh. Yeah, right after each show. I I later bought that show from, uh, oh God, what the hell is it? He's from High Spire, Pennsylvania. Uh, I bought it from like a tape dealer who uh, he would put together compilations. Oh, it's Mayfield. Uh, Yeah, I bought the, it was like a 40 minute long television show in Atlanta with, you know, uh, Joe Petticino, Bonnie Blackstone, and, you know, other guys. (laughs) I think. It's on YouTube because I uploaded it on YouTube. <laughs> I was going to say, it was Rick Stewart part of that? Oh, uh, yes. Rick Stewart would have been part yeah. of that. Yeah, cool breeze. Yeah, he he yeah. was part of it, too. So, yeah, so all those guys were on it, and that was the one where they had uh, Brody pile-driving a mannequin and knocking its head off and challenging Dick Slater and stuff, like the highlight. And Miss Kitties, yes, yeah. Miss Kitties. Yeah, for Jerry Blackwell. Cool. So I really like that, but... Uh, but yeah, man, magazines had that bit of well, a delay, see, but the, still, it did. You, when you bring up After real quick, I mean, After and After and Dusty, well, it was all over Crockett Television. He was PWI Scouting Report every well, week on that's TBS. That's Chris. I went because it had to be Dusty. It had to be Dusty. We didn't have TBS and Shemokin, and like I, I, I never saw him on any of my programming that was the worldwide show. So I kind of had this weird impasse with. Uh, Bill Apter is a commodity on TV because again I, I saw none of the TBS stuff, so it was like that's crazy. You didn't have TBS. Yeah, wow. we didn't. We had TBS in like 1998, like right when Thunder started. Believe it or not, 98. <laughs> that's a real lord. Yeah, that's why I would have to feign injury to go to see the Clash of the Champions. At like, <laughs> it's 30 minutes away, you know. That damn hernia kicked in when that NWA tag team tournament started. <laughs> that's for sure. But, <laughs> and see, and see, I, after was all over my television because you know he was on the Crockett stuff. Then after that was a whip, he took his talents to uh, Joe Petticino's uh, for wrestling this week. Oh yeah, and had this, you know, had had his segment on there every week with him and Craig well, Peters. Really you know, would do I stuff. did see pro pro wrestling this week actually came on, skated on some local station. Maybe New York up here in Pennsylvania. So I remember when we started getting pro wrestling this week in like late 87, early 88. It didn't last long here because I had read about it in the magazines as early as 86. But then when we got it up here, dude, so you sent me some links to it. 
on YouTube, and it's just such a, a really exciting, nostalgic thing to watch. But I literally remember one episode had the Canadian Kodiaks in a tag team match from, like, UWF, <laughs> and it had Earthquake Ferris beating uh, Rufus R. Jones with a sleeper lock when, like, Bulldog Bob Brown came in and hit, like, Rufus with a shoe shine can or some shit, and, like, and then he was unconscious <laughs> in the sleeper. And I, I vividly remember these things. And, like, you know, and, like, it's in the happy memories. Like, now everyone's like, oh, that, Ken, oh, yeah. that Kenny Omega match was only three stars, and they bitch and complain. But, like, <laughs> I, I look at shit like the Canadian Kodiaks and, like, Earthquake Ferris and Rufus R. Jones as, like, amazing moments in my life because it was, like, wrestling on TV, and I appreciated it because it wasn't stuff I'd see normally. But uh, it's, it's just funny to me how just tastes and – uh, the consumption of it and how happy we were to see some of these things have changed. Well, that's why Pro Wrestling This Week was like the wrestling magazine on television. Yeah, really. Because you're getting you're getting at you're getting access to all these different territories that you would get in the magazines. That you know you're in. Let's say you're in Shamoka and you're you you don't have the access to Portland. You don't have the access to Memphis. Mm-hmm. You don't have the access to Continental. Yeah. You know. You don't you don't have to access these territories, but here's the rest of magazines, and here's a video version of it, bros. This week that's taking you to these places Japan. that you wouldn't normally Japan. go. Japan, Japan, absolutely. It was Korsia Korchenko had a match in Japan, I think, which sounds weird. Maybe not. Maybe it was. It might have been Puerto Rico, WWC. But like, I just remember being stunned. I'm like, oh my god! And then when I got the Observer and they had that little reader section. I remember asking for tape lists, and I got tape lists from Japan, Chris. And like just seeing like Japanese postage stamps and stuff, it was. I'm a a kid from Shimokin, you know what I mean. So it was just so foreign and worldly to me that I'm like, wow, look at this! It's from Japan, and then you know I get my tapes from Japan, and it was like a whole thing. So it's, it kind of wrestling made the world a little smaller, which is a good thing because then you start. Absolutely, reaching out and finding some stuff. So, and it's funny you mentioned the magazines, the the eBay and everything, because uh, Hero. I when I was in Orlando more recently for Spud's wedding, I uh, I dropped by Heroes, which should just be and Rachel Ellering, obviously, and their place should just be like a wrestling museum. It's <laughs> and, and one of these days, I'm sure they'll have a show on the network with Chris. You know, it just seems like it's something that they'll have to do. WWE Cribs. <laughs> they just have to have him on there doing some kind of show with Ben Brown or, or something where you just go through archives and unique things because he has like an entire shelf of nothing but like missing link uh, handmade art and, and figurines. And it it's just <laughs> unreal. But then he's got – and when I, I lived with Hero in 2008 to 2000. 11 in PA or 2009 to 2011 in PA and then also uh, for a little bit in 2014 to 16 and it's one of these things where anytime he would go to Japan like he'd come home with like a whole extra suitcase filled with just nothing but magazines and memorabilia and it's just like even I remember Cabana would joke like Hero you're taking literally all the money Noah gave you and just blank stuff because <laughs> like he's <laughs> he, he's he has such a passion for like learning about wrestling and knowledge about wrestling. Well, Tudacons over there with all that shit there you can buy, yeah, you know. Yeah, and and even back in the day in 2009 and 10 when I first moved to Reading, PA, 
and it was like Wrestle House, you know. It was just an unbelievable place to go to where it's just like, oh, my God, nothing but VHS tapes and all this Kawada and Mudo and all this crazy stuff and, like, Rick Blade tapes and, like, best of El <laughs> Mosco de la Merced. Like, it, it was just a who's who of anything ever in wrestling all over that house combined with all the shit I had, if you can imagine. So it's like like Milanito Collection AT used to live in my room. Like, it's like a whole thing. So it's like <laughs> you go to that house and it's just like, oh, my God, look at all these Japanese wrestling magazines. Because I'd never seen Japanese wrestling magazines in person. And, like, I remember one of the magazines was, like – you know how they is it is it XL? What, what's the hip hop magazine that does like the freshman issue? XXL. So it's like yeah, I used to buy those too. <laughs> it's kind of XXL ish, where basically it was like at the time it was like Shingo Takagi and it was Shuji Kondo and Daisuke Sakamoto and like all these guys standing together on the cover. And I was, I even when I recently saw Chris, I'm like, you've got to find that issue and take pictures of it or like let me fucking buy it from you. Because to this day, I think it's like the coolest group of like random Japanese dudes on the front of a magazine XXL style. But, uh, yeah. you know, I just remember vividly that magazine and, and that and obviously the photography and, you know, I, I don't really know aside from Bahu <laughs> and perhaps a few others. Uh, Violent Miracle is another really good one, but I, I really value uh, – Virtual Pros is another one. Value all the guys out there that take photos of these magazines that we don't have because, like, I remember forever Chris would just be like, Nails, you should just get your magazines, take photos of them. And this is years ago before, like, magazines were kind of chic again, and I say chic in, in our little circle, but, you know, they are. Mm -hmm. But it was just interesting to me because he was like, dude – some company needs to just start putting out PDFs of all their magazines because there's a market for something like that. It's it's a niche that's out there that's not really covered. And of course, you start taking magazines all the time a few years later. But it, I think with Japanese magazines in particular, there's so many photos we've never seen that are just still out there to be discovered. And you know, I, I like that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. The thing the, the thing with Japanese magazines is if you want to buy them off eBay. You're gonna pay money. They, 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 those guys charge some big bucks. I got lucky. There was a guy in California who was selling them at a decent price. He was selling for like ten bucks a shot. So, which you know, that's way above what I would normally pay for a single magazine. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's Japanese magazines from the eighties. So what I, there's a supply I, and demand. So there's a scarcity of it. So it's worth it to you. I agree. Exactly. So what I did was he put a whole bunch of them in auction at one time. So I bid it on every single one of them, and I won every single one of them. And he cut me a deal for the package, you know, for the shipping and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I ended up getting like 10 or 11 magazines, and I ended up spending all together about 120 bucks. So, that's sweet. And that's, with, and, and that's with the shipping. Yeah. So I get the magazine, the Japanese magazines, and I've never – never read one because I wasn't, you know, and I've never seen any in Atlanta and any news story yeah. thing in, in the day, back in the day. And we're, we're going to talk about all that stuff as well as we go along. But, um, so I'll get the magazines in the mail and I'm like, holy shit. These magazines are fucking awesome. I can't read a word of the goddamn magazine, yeah. but the pictures are insane. Like the one, the one, the ones I have is, and uh, you had then left. You you've left the area. You moved back to Pennsylvania after I got these. I wish you could see them. 
I mean, I put the pictures up, but there's a there's a, a series where Koji Katao and Yoshiro Takayama are in the U.S. training for becoming pro wrestlers. Oh, wow. And they go meet Luthez, and they go train with Luthez, and there's pictures of them on a fishing trip with Luthez. Just amazing See, stuff. I would and, never, I would never even put Katal and Takayama together, despite their, you know, backgrounds and. Uh. They, yeah, it, yeah, they, they, they didn't work for the same promotion because Katal was, you know, sent by New Japan, and Takayama was sent by Maeda. That's so cool, man. So See, stuff. <laughs> yeah. So, so you got these types of things. You got the mag- You get the you know the pictures from the, the the events themselves. You got the personality profiles. You get all this these interesting things. And since they're Japanese wrestling magazines, they got their own people in America at house shows and stuff taking pictures. I mean, just amazing stuff. And they got ads in there for all this stuff for sale, yeah. which I can't read any of that shit. But I mean, people selling jackets. Uh, all kind of merchandise, memorabilia, autographs, you know, wrestling tapes. I'm mean, oh my god! And know. then you read them. If I was only Japanese, and you read them like right to left too, where you open it the opposite way you would, which is interesting. Yeah, open it opposite way. Yeah, yeah, yeah so exactly. You start from the back to the I front. I have a couple yeah. of programs. I have the Hanson Retirement Program, which is a real valued thing that I have, and then I have uh, a couple. I don't know if they're MOOCs. I don't know if you remember that term they used to use. It's oh, absolutely guys, yes. you know, it's yes. like it's really neat because like you'll have like violence warload and then it'll be like <laughs> uh, the Canadian giant Paul Bunyan would be in one he's in like this weird <laughs> SM demolition outfit and like it's like a fifty year old creepy looking guy with no no uh, muscle tone whatsoever in this shitty demolition outfit. So like it, 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 you know, like a yellow Max Moon, Paul Diamond. Like, it's like, what is any of this? This I didn't know that any of this stuff existed. Like, I just, I love how these photos, like, everything in Japan is documented. Everything. Mm-hmm. So it's like, there's photos of literally everything out there. We just kind of have to track them down and find them. Because, like, daily from, among, from my friends, you know, I'll just get, like, random texts or group chats or whatever where basically it's someone showing me a random photo from Japan that might even be a U.S. photo that was just gifted to a Japanese magazine. And it's, I just always love the discovery aspect of all this kind of stuff. And that's, and it's so, that's like, you know, trust me, I, I do not like wrestling Twitter. I, I'll just be very honest. I, I, I dislike it. I'm probably 75% of it. But what I do love is those people that just share cool stuff and magazines and photos and just having access to people that just, you know, want to boost and support wrestling and just talk about the hobby in like fun ways as opposed to just being yeah. complaining all the time. Those are my guys. So like I really enjoy and I don't I feel bad I don't even have all the names I could think of, but like right now I think more than ever on Instagram and on uh Twitter there's just such a surplus and large amount of more stuff being found daily from just like like you're saying these bulk buy magazines usually or you know I don't even know a lot more people are going to Japan now too with New Japan getting hot and people taking trips over there I think people are just picking up different kinds of magazines and posting photos that way but uh, you know I'm all in on it you know what I mean I think it's super cool so I know Sasha's over there I think she's over there one more day or maybe coming home today but. Training with Satomura and Dick Togo and just 
absolutely in love with the culture, the country, and everything else. And I'm just like, you want to pick me up a bunch of wrestling magazines? You know what I mean? Like, I, anyone that ever goes <laughs> over there, I know. It's, I'm, I'm always intrigued because, again, one day I will go over and I'm going to just goddamn fall in love with giant heart eyes and just want to stay there forever, I'm sure. <laughs> but, uh, you know, anyone – me and you ought to go to Japan for a, a Tokyo Dome, dude. I don't know how we could set it up, but – well, it would, uh, that's, that's, sounds great to me. I, I, but you, you mentioned I, you, you go I got to get a passport. Uh, I know they recently. Yeah, I, I don't that have one. Dragon Gate thing recently where they're doing English commentary. And I, I'm not speaking out of turn here. Uh, one of my friends got contacted about it and they couldn't do it. So then they reached out to me and I don't have a passport. And I think Kobe World's like next month. And it's not like. I was offered it, but I was just pitched as someone who could do it. But then I'm just kicking myself in the ass so much because I don't even have a, a passport currently, which I just need to get one and I'll have it for what like years. Yeah. But I need to do that anyway because I want to do I want to do one of these Tokyo Dome shows or just go over there. I know Alan Farrell, our good friend, he just went over there oh. and it's just like <laughs> a kid in a candy store. You know what I mean? Like I just want to have that same kind of enjoyment of just going over there and watching the shows and just. Dig- Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a dream of mine to go to Japan too. Absolutely. Like all those, those stores with all the magazines and everything that here. Tudacon. Yeah. yeah oh. Like that alone. That's, that's four outer four hours out of my day. <laughs> like I will go in there and just like <laughs> sit down and just be like, Oh, like look at all this stuff. I don't even know what to buy next. You know, it's crazy. You mentioned wrestling Twitter and two quick stories about magazines and wrestling Twitter. You know, when I was posting stuff, um, I was posting pictures from the 60s magazines, and I posted this picture. It was a uh, colorized photo of Lord Athol Layton, who was the announcer for the Sheik in, the, in, the, in Detroit for, for many years and was in the business for a long time, foot wrestler, everything. So I put, these, I put this picture up, and I get a DM from Kevin Von Erich, who DM me says, that is the first time I've ever seen a picture of Lord Layton. And he thanked me. It's just like, I want to really thank you for that because my dad talked about him. He talked about what a great guy he was, and I had never seen him before. This is fucking Kevin Von Erich. Tweeting, messaging me, thanking me for a picture I put up on there. And then um, a man I just met recently for the first time, Tennessee stud Ron Fuller, when I put up pictures of um, his dad uh, when they ran uh, – when. Georgia Wrestling ran shows at the state prison off of Moreland Avenue in Atlanta. Um, it was, you know, Buddy Fuller, Ray Gonkle, all the top stars at the time. And Ron DM says, says, yeah, they, that's the first time I've ever seen those photos. He said, that's, that's tremendous. He's like, that's the first show that they ran there. And he was telling me all this stuff. I'm like, this is the fucking Tennessee stud, you know? I mean, it's just... <laughs> And wrestling magazines brought that on. And then when I met Ron for the first time, you know, when he came down to Barnesville and appeared at Wrestle America, um, I, I introduced myself. He says, I love all those photos you put up. He says, that's, you know, it's a great history and all this other stuff. I'm like, I'm standing there just like, oh, my God, it's the Tennessee stud, the guy that I watched so much on Continental as a kid, you know, just telling me this stuff. I'm like, oh, that's so- I have a related story because when I got down to developmental, Doc Pritchard is the first person I met, and I fell in love from day one. You know, he's a very 
peculiar at times individual and you know persnickety and has his own things and i i love everything about him but something about him you know he was always like dude he's like we're all marks he's like we all are in this for a reason we all love this for a reason and you know, he told me how he started with the Norm Kitzer magazines and taking pictures and working with Paul Bosch in the office and everything. And it's one of those things where, you know, he values the magazine so much. And I've never asked him about this, but if you look, you'll notice Dr. Tom was always very featured in most magazines. And I'm sure it's because he just had good rapport with all the different magazines and reporters out there, you know, and it's uh you know, and he, he deserved the publicity too, but it's just a lot of wrestling at that time where these guys were on the road every single day of their life and moving their lives from one place to the next on a drop of a dime. You know, they, they had to kind of keep up with wrestling through the magazines also. So I'm always intrigued by the relationship that different wrestlers had with magazines. And as this podcast goes on, I think it would be fun even to get a couple wrestlers on here and talk about how magazines influenced them, especially guys like Ron Fuller or or Tom Pritchard and people from the territory days that, you know, really kind of depended in a weird way on the magazines. <laughs> yeah. Cause that, 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 that was a big way um, of doing that. But you know, the Ron Fuller's one thing though, interesting story about him is he, he purposely hid his promotion from the magazines. Uh, he didn't want anybody to know what was going on in his place. Cause he didn't want people to like steal his stuff or try to, you know, do anything like that. So he tried to isolate Southeastern and early continental from the magazine. That's so interesting. And so un. it's just, you don't expect that. That's like the old story about Stan Hansen telling all the guys that came over, tell everyone it sucks here. So then you can, we can keep this money and keep this going over here. You know what I mean? Like that's, <laughs> that's the way you had to be back in those days. You know, it might not be the right thing to do, but it's certainly the smart thing to do business wise. Absolutely. You Absolutely. cut a hot angle in and Dothan, it, Alabama, and then you see it pop up on Atlanta TV worldwide. You know, what does it say about your angle? So I, I get that completely. Yeah, exactly. All right. Um, let's talk about now the places that we purchased. Oh, magazines. man. Okay. Um, you go first. Okay. The number one place I'm going to pick, and maybe like if Tony Deppin ever listens to this, he's maybe the only person that might remember this place, but. Uh, Little store in Shimokin called Stop and Go. It's no longer existing. It later became something called Unimart, but Stop and Go was <laughs> the go-to place for my PWI, my inside wrestling, the wrestler. They would have uh, – they carried wrestling main events, WWF Magazine, and probably one or two others. Uh, there were other places like Rite Aid and Ray and Derek that would have the magazine stand, and they would have like superstars of wrestling or wrestling superstars. Uh, a lot of the Napolitano magazines might have been at Stop and Go, but they were usually at just different other places around. And you know, I I never I I'm not gonna say I didn't like the Napolitano magazines because I I thoroughly enjoy them. If you hand me one, I would read it cover to cover. But uh, I just think that <laughs> I I just think that to me, the after mags were always the ones that popped out to me most and had definitely read. Uh, one of my favorite magazines – oh, shit. I don't even want to get into it because it's too much of a story, but I'll get into it later. But uh, So yeah, I would say Unimart, uh, Stop and Go, 
Ray and Derek, Rite Aid. Uh, there was a couple things called cigar stores in and around Shamok, and any kind of cigar store always smelled like shit. But you know, you you take that just so you could get your magazines. Usually, there'd be like nudie mags all over the place too in the uh, cigar stores, so they'd be eyeing you up as you were going through the wrestling magazines to make sure you're not checking out that uh <laughs> that play playboy. <laughs> so yeah, so all that, that stuff. But uh, yeah, I just. I would say mostly those places, uh, anytime I went on any kind of vacation or left town, it was always an adventure just to find out where magazines were. If you could find a new magazine, that was always like an exciting thing. And it's just (sighs) – I said this the other day doing a podcast with Wrestling Arcade for the book publicity, but I'll say it again. Just the anticipation of walking into – you know, like a mini mart type of store and having all these magazines with information that wasn't accessible right at your fingertips at all times. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was just so exciting. Whereas now that excitement still exists in different ways, but like, Oh my God, I miss it. Like, cause there's nothing like it. Like to either get an observer in the mail or to walk into a, a convenience store and pick up a magazine that you had no idea what was going to be in it or what kind of news was going to transpire, what kind of title changed or, you know, even so much as getting a tape in the mail. I mean, you you get that Schneider comp in like February of 2000 and you get it in like June of 2002 and it's third generation (laughs) and you paid paid 45 bucks for it, but you still loved it anyway. You weren't mad. You're like, Oh shit, here's that, uh, you know, Dr. Cerebro match I wanted to watch. So it's like a whole thing that just, you, 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 there was anticipation. And again, I'm not going to beat it into the ground. I sound like the old man over here, but you know, to me, there's just a lot more anticipation and excitement and appreciation of different stuff that you'd find that, you know, I feel is kind of lost. But again, it saddens me. I go to a local supermarket and I'll see a PWI, which is great still and bless them for still existing. And, you know, uh, that's pretty much it aside from WWF magazine, which I don't even think exists anymore. No, I don't think so either. Um, I would go to the lo- the local gas stations that we had around here. Uh, Magic Market uh, would have one. We have one that was called um, B&L's, which just recently got bought out and they'll turn it into a fucking spa. No. Uh, uh, what else do we have? Uh, there was one called Benny's. These are all lo- local gas stations that had little magazine racks. And I would go in, you know, in there and see what I could find and, and stuff like that. And same thing with, with cards. When I was doing baseball cards, basketball cards, football cards, you know, it's the you know it's the excitement of seeing what's in there. You know, what do they have? Um, there was a Revco, a drugstore. They had a great magazine rack as well, and that's just in this area. Now, when I would go out of town, uh, if I was going to Griffin, then there would be a, there was like Eckerd's up there, Eckerd's Drugs. They had a really big, <laughs> and I would go. I, I I would just I would go hang out in the magazine rack. My mom and dad would do would do what they did. I'm in the magazine rack. Yeah, you know that's basically my thing. And all these stores now. There was one place in particular, the News Center is the name of the, the place. It was in uh, Forest Park, Georgia, which is in Clayton County. And when I walked into it, I remember walking into it as a kid, and I'm like, oh, my God, 
I mean, it's a it's a bookstore, but it has they had a magazine rack basically that was just it was so long. Yeah. And it was full of all these different magazines that you didn't see anywhere else. And that's where I saw magazines I'd never seen before because, you know, normally your gas stations, your drugstores, they're mainly selling the after magazines, you know, Inside Wrestling, The Wrestling, Wrestling Superstars, PWI, blah, blah, Wrestling 84, 85, whatever. I'll go to the news center and there's the Napolitano magazines, Wrestling's main event. There's Wrestling the Norm Kite Re- yeah, Wrestling Eye later on. Yeah, Norm Kaiser's Wrestling News magazines. I'm like, oh, these are different magazines. And yeah, and I start with by with by them. But here's the thing about News Center, and he brought up porn. Uh, <laughs> I the, did when I when I was a kid, they had you know, had this ma- long magazine rack, which led to this room that had saloon doors. Uh-oh. And I'm and I remember asking my 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 parents, what's back there? And my uh, my dad says, uh, you can't go back there. So I remember, and, and I, I would go to New Center off and on for years, and I eventually rem- found out what it was. The- and I remember, like the first time I went in there after I turned eighteen, it felt like I finally made it. <laughs> I've made it into the yep. porn room. <laughs> I, I, I love that this is a topic because I'm going to share my my thing on it. So, like, oh, my God, I can't believe you just brought up saloon doors. So, like, the saloon doors, right? So the yeah. saloon doors I remember largely from the old videotape rental stores. Uh, with, oh, yeah. Absolutely. Like, we had one had the gr- Grand Illusion. Yeah, here. there was, yeah. like, seven different video stores all in my town and every other town, I'm sure. But uh, they'd be these doors, and you couldn't go back there. <laughs> me being the little sheepish imp that I am, I'm like the opposite of that bagel guy. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just like, I'm just like the nice short guy who doesn't want to kick up any dust, right? Like I couldn't even imagine going through – like even my turn 18, like the idea of going through the saloon doors. Like I'm blushing just talking about it now. Like I don't want to go back in there. Like I would send like my friends in. I'm like, yeah, just like go get like all guys love big tits while you may like get back out or something. <laughs> Because, like, I was not going to go back there. This is what happened. I was I was just like, I'd be on the DL, like, little perv over here. But I'd be like, no, just go and get me something. Because, like, I just was, the saloon doors were intimidating, man. I don't want to fuck with the saloon doors. <laughs> I, I, I mean, that's what I'm I feel like I'm, I feel like I made it. I, I mean, I feel like I'm an adult, a real adult. Who, was and... that? Who else was back there? That's another thing I'd always think. Like, I'd always. All guys. All dudes. All dudes. dudes. But yeah. it's just, it's so fascinating to me. Just to like, <laughs> there should be a documentary done. Like, <laughs> I, I hope somewhere in the 80s there's just some guy hanging out in like Big Choice video who's just like videotaping all the poor randos walking back behind the saloon doors. And then like as they left the place, just <laughs> running up to them like gorilla style. Like, hey, man, tell me a little bit about yourself. What, what's your makeup? Horny man, you know what, what would they say? But like, it, it's just fascinating to me. But no, the minute you said saloon doors, I had to share. That's fucking classic. <laughs> and, and and here's the story about that. You know, I mentioned that I had a public access television show about wrestling. I uh, the uh, the the TV station was inside of the v, the video rental store, Grand Illusion. The, this guy that owned the store on the TV station. He turned the old porn room into the TV studio. <laughs> So I remember walking in there for the first time. I never walked in there was the porn room. 
And I walked in for the first time to, you know, to do the first show that we did. And I was like, I've always wanted to walk in this room. And I, I finally did. But it's not, you know, it's not the porn room anymore. It's, it's a TV studio. <laughs> it was amazing. Gosh, the... But I mean, that's the way it was. It's just a different time because, you know, porn is so easily accessible now. It, I mean, it, you can find porn in, in in a second. Oh. Back then, you had to actively search it out. Oh, and I remember, like you I said, I was a high school yeah. kid. I went over to the, my friend Nick and Gary's house, and they're like, hey, hey guys, we got this thing. I'm like, oh, what's this going to be? And it was literally like real, real. We literally had to, we had to <laughs> set up a goddamn uh, – I don't even know what you'd call it. We had to set up the – the goddamn thing and put the reel on it and try to watch is hey is that bush like you didn't even know so it's like <laughs> it's one of these things that, and it was all grainy and the girls were fair to partly cloudy so it wasn't even an enjoyable experience but, but like as we're watching it it's like oh my god if we get caught we're all going to jail you know it was like this whole thing where everyone was just tripping about it but now it's just like it's, <laughs> it's yeah i guess pervasive you know everyone's just watching everything everywhere it's so accessible and it's and you mentioned now it's like yeah okay everyone watches it it's fine yeah and you mentioned you know you went to uh, the one place that had you know the rest of the magazines and porn in close proximity Tower Records used to be like that in Buckhead where you know the rest of the magazines the sports magazines were like right beside the porn yeah. right beside Playboy and all that stuff so you 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 had like the rest of the magazine or the sports magazine in your hand and all of a sudden you just inch over a little bit you know to the little porn area yeah. or you know and so you look at the porn magazine there you know trying not to make it like you're looking at the porn yeah, you know? dude, the, the move was just going to like i remember when i went to san jose california in like 1991 or 92 i just remember like taking the playboy putting it inside the inside like and just be yeah. like, oh wow, what Dusty do this month? You know, and like look at the other magazine all sneaky and whatnot. But uh, yeah, that was the move, man. I just, just like God, the the newsstands were just such a a wondrous place. Oh, I love yeah, newsstands. Yeah, news center. News center had a special place in my heart, man. I used to love. I mean, just go. I we used to go to Forest Park every week, and the main places we go, um, Toys R Us. You know, get my new latest you know action figures. Southlake Mall, they go to KB Toys and, and, and hang out there and then drive down the road to go to News Center. I mean, that was every week. And it was like, and then, and then um, once they start putting up uh, like Sam's, Sam's Club, there was one that was a competitor to Sam's called Pace. And Pace sold whole boxes of cards, like the 36 count yeah. packs. The whole box, and you can go the pace, and you can buy a whole box of thirty six packs of cards for less than ten bucks. And I was like, oh my fucking lord, you know? I mean, that changed the game. You know, that's when I started getting off the wrestling magazines and buying cards. And we just, it, it's just, it seems like you know, kind of just thirty years ago now. It's just insane thing about it, but it, it's not that long ago, but it it, it is. It you know? is. And, and, so and things ago. just take. And things have changed so much, but it's so fresh in our memories. Oh, yeah. You know, we have these memories of buying this stuff and going to these mom and pops and doing all this stuff that don't exist anymore. And But you're still fresh in our minds like we just did. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And here's another one. I have to bring this up, and it will get brought up often on this show. Uh, I would get my magazines before school every day. Uh, ideally, I'd take a magazine to school with me and kind of – 
I'd almost read the magazine like it was porn because I didn't want any of my friends seeing I was reading about wrestling because, again, it was not the cool hobby to have with the kids. So it was like my own little fun thing that I would always enjoy and read about. So, like, I would take my magazine and just sneak it into my desk and read it throughout the day when I had some time. But uh, if I didn't get to, sometimes – oh, man, this is a weird one, and maybe someone could understand what I'm trying to say, but – it's 6.30 or 7 o'clock on a Tuesday or Wednesday morning. It's magazine day at the, the newsstand or the convenience store, and you go in, and the magazines are all still stuck inside that plastic, and they have to come cut. Yeah. Sometimes busy, and they wouldn't cut it. And, like, every time I can remember feeling the anxiety over the fact if I walked in and I saw they weren't cut – a, I was very shy. Would I go up and ask them to cut it? Or B, would they say they couldn't cut it and just leave me run off without a magazine? But like I, that was another weird thing I haven't thought of in probably 30 years. But I do remember like I, I would have that tinge of nervousness like before I would go in anywhere. Because I'd be like, oh, man, I hope it's open. I hope they're on the shelf already, and I hope I could go in and see what ones they have. Because usually I'd just buy one. You know, I'd probably buy like an Inside Wrestling. Because it's so funny. Inside Wrestling and the Wrestler were $1.75, and Pro Wrestling Illustrated was $2.25 so like they never really changed that until way later they kept the prices mostly throughout the 80s and early 90s yeah and they, and, and, and and i love that they would advertise too like it'd be on the cover still only 175 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and obviously the brilliance of them and it you know it's marketing but you pick up either one there was that cool little page that was split in half that told you it was in the other two that month so then like you'd read about that and you'd be like oh shit like the one magazine i do not have that you have and i think i even saw it when i came over your house the one time was that un fucking believable magazine that documented the only ever match between the four horsemen and the freebirds in atlanta and uh yes right yeah. and dude i don't know i don't care what you say <laughs> It is going to be on the network. Someone has that fucking thing, and they're going to air it. It's got to be. And we believe more than ever now, given everything else they're they're putting up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that had to have been taped. I, it had to have been right. Like it had. They recorded. They recorded all the Omni shows. Yeah. I know oh, they did. Dude, how cool is that? Me and you should just do like a live watch along when that comes out because that you know, <laughs> you know more than anything else. And like aside from that 1986 Houston UWF title tournament, which I'm also pretty convinced we're gonna get, uh, you know that Freebirds and Horseman thing is the only other thing I really, 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 really want to see up on the network. So it's. Uh, it's going to be exciting when it happens is what I'm trying to say. But, yeah, that magazine that showed that match was so cool because it really is the only documentation that that ever happened aside from you lucky folks that actually were there. But we, yeah, and, 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 and that, that's <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean that's nothing about the magazines too is you got to see stuff from these places that you knew you would never get a chance to go to these shows and – or you wouldn't you wasn't there and you read them and – like, oh, man, this just sounds like the great fucking match. You know, I mean, the, it, it was a joy of the The magazine. last Battle of Atlanta. That. that was supposedly the only chance you were going to see anything from it. Yeah. They were never going to air it. So it's like, <sighs> kudos to WB Network for tracking that one down. Someone there is doing a really good yeah. job. I'm really impressed. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And another thing about the, the magazines, too, you mentioned school. I know. I don't remember ever really talking about wrestling in school. Yeah, it, it's so funny when my when, when my friends or anything. Yeah. I never remember actually Same. talking about wrestling. Same. 
It was mainly sports, you know, what's going on in the sports. So Michael Jordan and Charles Barkley, you know, anything. Yeah. Music. Oh, Randall Cunningham for me, Reggie White, Jer- Jerome Brown. Like you talk about the sports, that was allowed. Uh, you know, you talk about the cute girls across the room, that was allowed. Like, yeah, muse, music, maybe some movies, stuff like that, TV. Tone Loke, you know. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you'd have your things you could talk about. And then, like, wrestling, you just do yeah. – I refuse. Maybe I'm a puss, but I refuse to be the wrestling kid. I knew that people didn't like it. I knew that you were ostracized if you liked it, which is so shitty. But this is how it was. So it's like I just kept it to myself. I certainly still stayed madly in love with wrestling all throughout the '80s and '90s. I it was not like a secret. And then when I when I start getting the Observer, which for the first few years I would get it at school because my friend just would copy it for me and, and be like, "Hey, check this out." So, like, he'd hand me it, and, dude, I could read it anywhere because it doesn't look like it's wrestling. It's just, like, a public Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was, like, yeah. it was like the greatest thing for so many reasons because it, it just looks like someone asked me, oh, it's a wrestling trade publication, which you're not just going to get, you know, made fun of for that as opposed to looking at, like, a bunch of wrestling that someone's like, ah, that's phony, you know, as opposed to, hey, I'm looking at the business aspect of it. For whatever reason, it was just more respectful <laughs> in high school, like be talking about something like that. Because then you get the oh, well, wait, does that what? tell you how it's done? And what could you tell me about that? And then like you could kind of explain things, and it was just different. So like the the funny the funny thing is though is like I said, you're a year older than me. So my senior year of high school was ninety six, ninety seven. What happens in the summer ninety six? The NWO. So I go to school as a senior. And now everybody's starting to start talk about wrestling. It was amazing. Check this. You Real know, quick. I'm same thing. Summer '96, NWO. Guess when I went to college? The fall of 1996. So guess the hot yeah. shit dude in the dorm who was teaching everyone about wrestling. That and like I remember we that was the day before cable. We'd pull the TV into like the sto- like they'd have the lounge in the middle of the the dorm. And we'd all just sit there and watch wrestling, and I'd be explaining who Rey Mysterio Jr. was, and everyone would be popping, and Piper came back. And it was just like Hall and Nash were like the coolest human beings on earth, and like everyone just loved fucking wrestling. So then I was like the knowledgeable guy who had tapes. So then I got in with like the basketball team at the university, so I'd be over at the basketball house constantly watching stuff. So it was just like it's it, from high school to college. It's so bizarre, but within one summer, it went from you do not publicly talk about this shit to oh my god, everyone loves it. Tell me more, and it's just so crazy, Chris. Like, yeah, it, it, it was a known. It was known that I liked wrestling when yeah. I was in high school. But just one of those things that we just just wasn't talked, wasn't talked about, you know. And then, and then once the NWO gets hot, then everybody's like, "What's the story here?" They start asking me questions. <laughs> it's, it's just so funny how that all played out, you know. And because the thing is, is that wrestling forever was aimed towards kids, mm-hmm. you know, the little kids, and you know, and really adults. It wasn't cool quote-unquote, for teenagers. The NWO, and then, of course, you know, DX coming after that, Austin, blah, blah, blah. That becomes cool for that demographic. You know, so that changed the game as far as how wrestling was perceived. And so, and, and, and what and what undergoes a renaissance in that period? Wrestling magazines. Because <laughs> you get you, you get, like, these new magazines that come out, like WoW Magazine. Oh, yeah, I bought some of those. All these yeah. other... 
Yeah, I mean, you got these different magazines coming out, and there's like a little mini boom of wrestling magazines again. Yeah, and they were kind of shooting with stuff too, which they never did prior. So it was yeah, it was ha- halfway on some of them. Yeah, half shoot, half work. Yeah, yeah, and it, that's so true. And it's funny how we say that. Like, it's it's so fucking obvious that the wrestling boom, the last wrestling boom twenty plus years ago, it occurred when they went to PG thirteen. And of course, you still have people on the internet. They got to go back to this. They got to go back to this. And they do, and they are, and they will. Okay, it's happening. It's happening right in front of us right now. If you're missing it, you're missing out because they're getting more adult, and it will get hot again. And and the thing is, like, if I go to a gym even locally here in Pennsylvania, I don't see WWF shirts. I actually saw a uh, Golden Elite t-shirt at the gym the other day, and I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, this is a real thing. Like, people, people that I work with at uh, the newspaper who are not wrestling fans know about AEW. And like, to me, that's where you're kind of like, okay, they have a window right now where they're either going to pop off and get real big, real fast, or they're just going to drag their feet. And it's going to be TNA, TNA 2.0. I mean, I'm rooting for them, but like, they have the opportunity to they, exactly. You had the opportunity to do. Yeah. Something. But then, but then, will they take advantage gonna be of clean? It. And again, I don't need dirty wrestling. But when when you make a public comment, and they make lots of public comments, which is part of the problem because everything kind of doesn't go and coincide with everything else. But you gotta go PG thirteen with it. You have to. Like even if they say they're not going to, they have to, because you're not going to get the wide base of people that left wrestling without going PG thirteen. I don't give a shit. Like I, people could argue with me all they want about it. That's just the fucking brass. That's the facts. It's not going to change. You need to get all these people who tell me constantly, I don't watch that shit anymore. Yeah, I don't either. I I watch no TV wrestling currently. But what I'm saying is I just think AW, again, just to go off topic here. And see, I said, see, this is going to get me in trouble. See, I said this would be an easy show. It wasn't going to get me in trouble. But no, I I think they have to go with a PG-13 format, and uh, I I think it'll work. well, you got to serve all the masters. I mean, you got you got to you got to serve that that group of people. You got to serve the children. You got to make sure that you you know you hook the, the kids yeah, in. You got to you, you got to hook older adults. Like, I, I mean, to me, if you remember the Attitude Era, they didn't aim toward kids, but kids watched anyway. So I think maybe that's what you're saying. Yeah. Because yeah, to me, if you present an adult product. Kids are going to find it no matter what, especially we talk about accessibility. They're going to find it, okay? And once again, oh, it's not good for the kids. The kids are going to get warped. The kids aren't going to get fucking warped. <laughs> like, again, like, it's fine. Every Entertainment, how can I even put this? Like, even you look at South Park, you look at the shit that we watched during the Attitude Era and the kids that grew up in that time. I don't think we're any worse off, Chris. Like, I don't know what you think, but... To me, it's entertainment. Like I grew up watching Tully slap baby doll, and I'd watch <laughs> horribly racist angle. Oh my god, I just looked at this thing in a magazine the other day where DiBiase sold his slave Hercules to Bobby Heenan, or Bobby Heenan sold him to DiBiase as his slave, and it's like Hercules broke his chains. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, this is like incredibly offensive. Well, that's the way they portrayed it because, you know, the thing was, the Hercules in mythological times, 
that was what happened. He was a slave, and they would, yeah. But at the same time, eh, little, like, yeah. Little but like wrestling's always been offensive. And again, I'm not. This is a lot of times. It's like people will be like, "Oh, well, you're just given wrestling." It's different now, and it can change. Of course it can change, and I want it to change, and I want it to be for everybody. I get that, but, like, anybody getting ready to get the pitchforks out every time somebody does anything in wrestling, watch something else because <laughs> it's not going to stop. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's it's exactly. inherently kind of an offensive thing, you know? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, magazines could be offensive, too. <laughs> they bring it back to the magazines. Oh, yeah. With some headlines. Sure, sure. Like, my God, that one with Adrian Adonis was unbelievable. Like, oh, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely bring that one up. <laughs> we'll definitely bring that up on the show. I'm going to find that magazine for sure. sure. It's horrifying. <laughs> you know, like, some of these offensive things, that you read it, and you're like, oh, my gosh. But, like, I don't know. I, I just think now kids are being parented by social media, and I think some parents just need to step up and be like, look, kids – don't be this way but anyway that's my for this yeah edition. but yeah I, I, ultimately <laughs> I think uh I think when you we were it all came about by talking about wrestling was cool in like 1996 97 and 98 I just think it doesn't have to go full-blown Cinemax okay <laughs> this isn't what I'm saying it just needs to be well Cinemax has changed too <laughs> now there's no there is no Skinemax uh, no more oh, yeah are they? there's no bikini car wash 27 <laughs> Yeah, if, if you want to watch that type of shit, you got to watch the Showtime family okay, channel. I'm so <laughs> out of the loop, my friend. But uh, I just think uh, – I think a, a solid PG-13 uh, programming I'm, – I'm talking like not like 1990 – not like 98, 99 Raw where they were way off kilter. But like, you know, 96, the 97 Raw, so bad, you know. So maybe – or maybe ninety six for all we'll say. Ninety seven got a little out there. But I, I just think there's ways of yeah, doing I it. Yeah, I think the and I think honestly, within the next year with the competition, I think both shows are ultimately going to push the envelope a little bit because I think you kinda have to just to Well and and and, and to bring about the magazines, I think you, we mentioned WWF magazine. I think when WWF came out with their own magazine, that kind of pushed the after magazines too, because the after magazine really the the boom of those magazines are in the mid eighties yep. when the magazine was out. That's when I mean that is the true sweet spot of the after mags really in our lot in our era was those mid eighties where they're competing head to head with the WF. Yeah. You know, I would always – it's so funny. It always sounds like I'm shitting on WWF. I'm not. But like I would get WWF Magazine, but I never liked WWF Magazine. Like it was good for pictures. Uh, it was glossy, yeah, shiny. It was Everything shiny. was in the color. Covers, but there wasn't – there was no substance. There was zero <laughs> substance whatsoever. And like I liked – I really enjoyed WWF Magazine from like 1984 to 1987… But around 80, 80, 89, yeah. 90, 91, they had really nice covers. It was all nice and glossy and well done. They had some unbelievably talented photographers working for them, and it was a good magazine. But, like, if I'm at my newsstand and I saw – ironically, because remember, I'm a little kid who cried when he got the black and white magazine in 1985. But, like, in 1988 or 89 or 90, if I went to a newsstand and it was WWF Inside Wrestling, The Wrestler, and – uh you know, Pro Wrestling Illustrated and Wrestling's main event, the last magazine I would possibly get would be WBF magazine. So it's like 
it just it, WCW magazine. Now there, my friend, I that that was a short spanned magazine, but I bought every issue of that too. I thought it was so cool that my beloved NWA had a magazine as opposed to, you know, because we didn't get the wrestling wrap up where I lived, so that was like a foreign concept. But when I I remember I bought every single issue. Yeah, much like PWI, every single issue of WCW magazine that came out, I, I certainly bought. I have all of them somewhere. And the best thing about WCW Magazine was when you would go to the house shows, that was basically the program. <laughs> you buy the, They were selling WCW Magazine. Oh, that's cheap. cool. You know I never went to a WCW show. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah, crazy. Right? Yeah. They came to uh, – they came to uh, – god, where did they come? Philadelphia they came to, and I would never go there. Oh, yeah. And then Johnstown, Pennsylvania was out toward Pittsburgh. I would never go there. Pittsburgh, I would never go there. It's like six hours away. So, yeah, I largely never just got the opportunity. And even when it got hot, they started – What about there. Altoona? How far How far is Shemokka from Altoona? Ooh, Altoona's probably <laughs> – I love that you asked that question. I think Altoona's about two and a half hours away, maybe three hours, so maybe longer. Because they ran Altoona a good bit. Yeah, they – chop them off. They, yeah, I never knew, though. You know, it was – you're in the little bubble here sometimes, and it's funny because all that they would advertise on WPHL was uh, the Philadelphia Civic Center shows. So I just never went there, and yeah, man. So it's and, I missed that. And here I was surrounded by them from every direction. <laughs> that's cool. I would never have known that they sold the WCW magazines at the shows. That's cool. That's a cool little fact that a lot of people probably don't talk about or didn't know. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm surrounded by WCW in the, in the old days. Somebody southwest Columbus, down south Macon, east Augusta, north uh, Atlanta, and all and Marietta, and you know Gainesville, and all this other. I mean, just surrounded by WCW here, so I couldn't miss you it. Know, now that you mention that, Chris, we got to bring this up also. The WWF programs were always. The thing is, I don't like. Magazine. Oh, yeah. I love the programs as a kid. I would get the programs in 87, 88, and 89. I don't even know when they discontinued doing programs, but I remember they had the little sheet that came with every show. In, in the early 90s. In the early oh, 90s. that bums me out because yeah. those programs, they had that really cool picture of the wrestlers' faces that were on the contract at the time. And on the inside, they just had like little personality profiles of the guys, and then at the end, they had like four guys talking about something. Or, but like those programs, and I call them up. But imagine if someone had a, a eBay of all the programs ever. That would be a neat thing to have. Okay. Well, I got, I got, I got the programs from their first office Ooh, show. That's badass. My brother, my, my brother had them. Yeah, with the lineup, with lineup. See, sheet. that's badass, Chris. See, that's the kind of shit I love to hear about. You got to bust them out one of these days. Yeah, that's cool. Because those, yeah, those little lineup absolutely. sheets are popular now on the internet too, and I really enjoy. I really yeah. enjoy them getting posted too. They're fun to look at and just. Care. And I got and I got and I got Crockett lineup sheets too from uh uh the the February second eighty six uh Omni show the one the superstars of Superstation I got that lineup sheet and I got the which that was in the program for that that's when the the program is called uh Wrestling Today what? and Chris uh, you got to share all this and, first of all I didn't even know they had programs I didn't even expect Dusty and the company I, I could have swore I showed you that stuff they had lineup sheets. I, yeah, I could have swore I showed you that. And they had the merchandise catalog in the back, too. Yes, I'm sure you did. I have the retention of a gnat, so like I'm sure well, I just forgot about it. My, where, where my brother bought a Ric Flair cap, uh, you do it with Flair. <laughs> you know, a green, a green and gold Great. cap. Uh, and they had all the shirts and all that shit for sale. 
But yeah, I, we'll, we'll, you know, I'll put pictures up as we go along. You know, I, 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 I could swear I put them up before, but I'll put them up again. <laughs> Fuck, I don't give a damn. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I have two. I have the Starcade '85. Pro, it was the program after Starcade '85, so it's the th- that was that was the one that was out for that February second show, I think. And it, no, no, the February second show was yeah, that's the wrestling today. And then I I do have the official Starcade '85 program, the Gathering. Buddy, this is so cool. See, I didn't know any of this. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, so I have that stuff as well. So yeah, programs were cool shit. Yeah, definitely. It was a different than wrestling yeah, magazine. It's you know, just it's, it's a fun a way to augment the live experience where you knew. You yeah, you, 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 you're sitting. Yeah, you're sitting there like before the show, and you're just skimming through the program. <sighs> or if there's an intermission, you know, you break the program back out, skim through it again. You know, so it's a little thing to read. You know? yeah, read that's such the nostalgia. I could smell the popcorn. I could, I could hear the fans <laughs> of the Hershey Park Arena screaming, "Oh!" And then everyone else does it too, and you're just waiting for the show to start. And sooner than later, yeah, and, and, Davis and Sam Houston are going to come out and have a nice opener. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know when it went WCW magazine, it's a program. You got a whole bigger, bigger thing now. Yeah. So you definitely got you know you take some time with that. It it goes it goes from like five pages to now all these pages. Yeah, and they had like and, and Paulie and Gordon Soley and a lot of cool people doing columns in it and everything. Yeah, I remember one of them. Uh, one had like a, uh, you know, those those little things where they had the eyes cut out and you put it over your face. <laughs> they had one of Big Van, Big Van Vader, and 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 then you have a, uh, you know, I remember that one of them had the Hollywood Blondes poster, which I tore out, and and at the at the the the, how, the show, I I just held the poster up, and other people were doing it too when the Blondes came out for their matches on the TV taping. I mean, the, the Polly dartboard was a great memorable one. Yeah, Polly Dartboard. Yes, yeah, I had uh, that good too. Time, I mean, it, I love it, and that's one thing this show is going to talk about is wrestling, is our, you know, all the stuff we had in these magazines that was so fun and cool. That uh, it's just not the same anymore. It just it's isn't. not. But damn it, we'll we'll bring the nostalgia back, and people can enjoy. Absolutely. Now, this is our first episode, and we didn't really, you know, go over anything in particular. We this is where. You know, the episode of a primer, so to Priming say. The- you know, let everybody let everybody know what we're going to talk about, what we're going to do. Now, when we come back for our next show, we will delve into magazine specific, where Rob will pick one magazine and I will pick a magazine, and we'll try to keep the the time a little, you know, a little distance there, so we won't be having a whole lot of overlapping, and we'll we will be going over the contents of the magazine that we think are interesting and, you know, and just talk like we, like we did here and talk about the things and like, uh, you know, uh, the, the results of the house shows that's listed in there that was sent by whoever. And, you know, the ratings, you know, talk about the chance, you know, if you're inside wrestling, talk about the list of champions and all this other shit. So <laughs> this is going to be a fun show folks. This, and, and that's what it's intended to be. This this is intended to be a fun show. It's funny because today so. when I st- I started, I assumed we'd go an hour. We went like the easiest two hours ever. And like again, I, I assume when we do the show regularly, it might not go this long. But guess what? It might go this long. You never know with us. When we start talking, it it's always going to just keep going and going. So this was a fun, easy two hours, Chris. Thanks for doing it. Happy to be on board. It should be very fun to uh, delve into more different uh, magazines as we go forward. 
Absolutely, and we're just going to do them when we do them. You know, and there's no specific timetable. We just whenever we got the opportunity, we're going to knock them out. So, and and as Rob said, we may have guests as well. You know, whoever we, you know, we try to get on the show to, to talk about their love magazines yeah, as well. I'm telling so. you right now, and I'm just going to say these names to speak it into existence. I want to get Missy Hyatt. I want to get Bill Apter. And I want to get Dr. Tom on here to talk about magazines. That's my <laughs> see if it happens. I'm putting it out there, guys. So, hey. well, there you go. And, 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 and yeah, just do the you know you do your efforting, and I'll do mine to uh, procure guests. So uh, it should be fun. It's going to be a great show, folks. So definitely look out for the next episode of Cover to Cover. That is it. The official name of this show. Hey. All right, Rob. Was uh, we had a blast. And we'll hook it up in the future. Chris, you are my favorite. Thank you. Absolutely. So, so long from the Peach State of Georgia. And the Keystone State.